Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. I'm Alan Potcotter, and you're listening to Call Talk for October 31st, 2018. Today, we're reviewing highlights from Call Center Campus 2018 with hosts Bruce Belfiore and John Chatterley. Due to the nature of this show, we won't be including a a question and answers for this time. But if anyone is listening either live or later and wishes to ask questions or make a comment on anything discussed, please email me at calltalk at benchmarkportal.com, and I will be sure to get to the right person. I want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at Benchmark Portal any time of the day. And now I would like to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you, Alan, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Today's Call Talk episode is a bit different from our normal show, as Alan indicated, in that we'll be reviewing highlights from Call Center Campus earlier this month, held in Phoenix, Arizona, at the Palomar Kempton Hotel. Uh, so this episode together will bring together this episode of Call Talk will bring together some great takeaway tips uh, from that event. And I'm joined by my colleague, John Chatterley, and together we're going to focus on the exceptional aha moments from this cutting-edge symposium, which was designated one of the industry's must-attend events and really was a a wonderful success. So included are key points from the rousing keynote speech by Barry Maher, the Cannabis and Contact Center talk, plus interactive roundtables on leadership, technology, and metrics, And a bunch of new ideas were also presented on at-home agents, huddle boards, best practices coaching, culture and agent engagement, and optimizing use of queue time in a totally original way. Actually, we could probably uh, do an entire segment of call talk on any one of these things, but we're going to uh, be giving you the highlights of this uh, great event today. So, John, thank you for joining me. I think our audience already knows you are the Director of Content and Analysis and Chief Editor at Benchmark Portal and our longest tenured colleague here at Benchmark Portal. I'm glad to be here, Bruce. I think this year's Call Center Campus was one of the best we ever had. We had a great variety of topics and some absolutely fabulous speakers. Yeah, we sure did, uh, John. There was great uh, insights, enthusiasm, and discussion. Uh, really, really good. What I particularly liked was the caliber of attendees at the, this year's campus and the high level of participation they produced during our sessions. Mm-hmm. Yep, no, that's uh, that's right. And uh, Well, let's delve into some of the top takeaways from the event. Uh, for our listeners, starting with the uh, uh, the keynote speech given by Barry Maher, who's the author of the best-selling book, Filling the Glass. And, John, I know you really love this keynote. Uh, what were some of Barry's main points? Well, Barry made us think about how we, uh, how what we say and can, uh, how what we say can make it a, all the difference in the world when talking to others, be they coworkers, customers, or even bosses. And as he roamed around among the attendees, uh, he would ask one to tell us something and turn it around to show us how saying another more positive way could make a world of difference about how it was taken by the rest of us. Particularly, he pointed out the the uh, uh, the use of and instead of but for you know in conversations that we have or 
dealings we have with others. So instead of saying, uh, "I like it," I like the way you look, but he would uh, he would remind <laughs> us to say, "I like the way you look," and <laughs> that's right, exactly. No, this was a really good one because, and for anybody who is co- does coaching. On any level, or mentoring on any level, who's listening, which is everybody basically who's listening to this, uh, think about that. Instead of saying, okay, uh, you know, you did a really good job on this, but you could have done this better. Uh, Saying, well, you know, your tone of voice was really good, and you could have gotten even more uh, impact with the customer by doing such and such. Or, uh, you know, you're a really good uh, supervisor, a really good uh, manager, uh, and you can add this to your repertoire going forward, or this is something that I learned myself, and I would suggest you try it out too. Uh, really, uh, th- that was a great one because most of us, virtually all of us, I mean, I, I've got to say, uh, tend to use the word but or however, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, right? We're all waiting for the word but or the word however. Uh, and instead, if it's an and, and it's put in a positive way, and you could do it even better if, then, uh, you know, this is a great way to do it. Um, yeah, great takeaways, John. Yeah, he also pointed out the value of dissenting opinions and that if we agree with everything our boss says or does, then we're not doing our job. Uh, he he kind of quipped that if you agree with everybody, then who needs you? So, uh <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, uh, a, a very good point. And diversity of opinions are important. And then he would also say, so you know, you need to uh, make sure that that diversity uh, comes out through what you talk about. Uh, but do it the you no know, and. Sorry, I just did it wrong, didn't I? Okay, and <laughs> do it the right way, right? Exactly, so if to, exactly. If you need to uh, express a different opinion, and do it the right way so that it's actually heard. And when we get to the uh, part where we'll talk about the uh, leadership panel, uh, there were some good insights there about how to communicate this sort of thing. Yes, well, yes, there were. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I got a lot out of that. <laughs> I've been thinking about and ever since. <laughs> yes, yeah. So please, you know, it's a good takeaway for people listening to this. Now, then we heard about the cannabis and contact centers. What every manager needs to know, and this was from expert Christine Canine of Higher Image. And um, this is one where there's still a lot of managers, and we know this, John, because we talk to them all over the country, who are kind of putting their head in the sand. Uh, They don't really want to confront it. Obviously, for big structured companies, they have uh, tons of bureaucracy that have already looked into this and the right way to do it. Smaller centers oftentimes don't have a structured approach toward it. And even in the larger centers, sometimes the approach is uh, not up to date in terms of what's going on. So that means that there are a lot of confused managers out there with regard to what their approach should be appropriately and professionally on cannabis and the, and the contact center. And uh, Christine did a great job of sort of walking us through that and also giving us the understanding that things are going to continue to evolve. So uh, what's true today may not be totally true tomorrow. Uh, she was uh, my guest for Call Talk in June of 2018, and I invite listeners uh, on this show who are interested in this topic specifically to uh, pull that up and listen to 
the, that, that episode of Call Talk. And if you need more information to get in direct contact with Christine. Uh, and, John, I think, you know, we could both see that this talk was an eye-opener for many in the audience. Uh, there were a lot of people taking notes and, uh, you know, just trying to sort of uh, keep up with it. Yes, he reminded us that uh, because of the changing landscape of acceptance across um, many states, uh, uh, the use of cannabis, uh, the approach to dealing with the use of cannabis in our centers and with our people needs to needs careful and thoughtful uh, and, and sensitive uh, 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 responses. We we just can't be uh, ones who say, uh, well, if you use if you use marijuana, then uh, then you can't work here because uh, it's uh, it's turned out that uh, that HR centers in are, are developing a better approach to how to deal with this on an individual basis. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, there are obviously uh, positions and industries in which you can have just a uh, bright line. Still, you can have a bright line um, prohibition of use of um, uh, drugs uh, yeah, but obviously in the call center sector, nobody is driving a forklift truck, right? <laughs> so that's not going. Exactly. Nobody's going out on the highway. Uh, you're you're driving your your cubicle, so it's a bit of a different situation in terms of risk analysis. And um, you know, HR experts are are tuned to that, uh, and so things are changing. You need to know that there's a lot of difference among the states and jurisdictions. And so you have to, if you're in one place and you've got one center in one state and everybody comes from that state, then, you know, God bless you, it's going to be easier for you to keep up on things. Uh, but do lean on your uh, HR people to make sure that they are in touch with the lawyers and they have everything straight and that you have everything straight from them. Uh, if you're in multiple jurisdictions, so for instance, uh, she was talking about the fact that Maine has a different situation from New Hampshire and from uh, you know other New England states. So you have to you know uh, keep that in mind when you're you're uh, you know putting things, uh, deciding policies. But one of the things she said was first have a policy because if you have a written right. policy, uh, then at least you know where you are. You've got, it's not quicksand underneath you. You've got something there. And then that can be submitted to HR, can be submitted to the lawyers. It can be held up against changing, uh, not only changing laws in the states, but also court decisions interpreting the laws, which are going to be things that, uh, you know, happen from time to time. So, um, you know, one of the things that she mentioned was that oftentimes it's hard to catch people in the act. And the thing about uh, testing and marijuana, it's not like alcohol. Uh, the impairment with alcohol pretty much goes with when you fail the test. The uh, testing for marijuana could show that you've used it sometime in the last several days, but you may not be impaired at all right now. So... What she said was, uh, John, right, to focus on the symptoms of the problem. In other words, yep. if people are late to work, performance issues, uh, she mentioned, you know, Twinkie crumbs just <laughs> kind of be <laughs> funny with regard to the munchies. 
Um, you know, that is something that you can focus on. It's sort of a part, separate and apart from the drugs used specifically, but it definitely is performance linked. So that that was one of the things that she mentioned, John. That's right. That's yeah. I I recall that, and she uh, she uh, suggested that if we if we're sensitive to a situation, don't email the the HR department. Have a direct talk with them if you feel like you're on uh, unsure or on shaky ground. Yes. So. Okay. So this is one of her suggestions, which was I think to not leave a paper trail that could come back to hot, to bite you after all. And, you know, yep. managers are oftentimes put in such difficult positions because uh, they're expected to know everything, and there's no way you can, particularly when the, the everything is changing under your feet. So, um, you know, she was saying that if you, ha- you, you know, you should insist that HR give you things in writing, but uh, when you're talking to HR about a specific person's situation, and that situation may lo- result in litigation, her advice was to uh, talk to the HR people uh, so that, you know, prejudice or other things with regard to, to drug use wouldn't come through in what you were writing about. Is that, is that right, yeah. John? That's, that's yeah. exactly right, Bruce. That's, that's what, that, it, as you said earlier, it was one of the most uh, 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 enjoyed, most appreciated sessions of the whole campus. It uh, it drew uh, very rapt attention from everybody there. Well, this is what we try to do with call uh, with uh, call center campus too is to to bring out those things which are really important for uh, you know call center managers to know and which they are not necessarily getting elsewhere. Um, now, the, the other thing people really enjoyed was our first panel roundtable on expanding concepts of leadership in the call center. Uh, and this was uh, led by Barry Maher, our, our uh, keynote speaker, and uh, a number of things came out. One of them was to make your, your people, people who report to you, feel important. Now, this is a nice phrase, but, you know, how do you do that? How can we on this, you know, show give you ideas about how you can do this? Well, one of the things that came out is that you make people feel important by doing so intentionally by thinking about it and then acting on it, which means in many cases changing the way you approach your communications with the people that report to you. And uh, so some of the things that came out of that was share and show them your vision for the organization, uh, and that's the kind of thing that can be done collectively, but then also show them your vision for them as individuals. Okay. So when you're actually talking to them, what's your vision for them? Uh, look at them through different eyes and then communicate them in a different way so that they feel important when you do that. That was uh, something that was really important individually, not just important as part of the group. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Both are yep. important. Yeah. And how about some, uh, the, 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 in fact, one of the things was uh, nothing you ever say is persuasive as the way you listen. That was another uh, nugget that came out of this. And uh, the way you listen to people is a real uh, game changer in terms of how important people feel. So right. think uh, about that. Uh, one, of, one of our colleagues, Chris Thompson, reminded us that a boss says go, 
whereas a leader says, let's go. You know, just, yeah. just that turn of phrase um, makes them feel included instead of make, making them feel like they're being directed or told or commanded. And, uh, and, and people are sensitive. Uh, it's important to be sensitive to their feelings and, and to realize that in their minds, they're just as important as anybody else. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if you make them feel that way, it will really go a long way. Yeah. And, and John, you've had a long uh, experience as uh, a manager, and there, there was another uh, thought about teaching. Uh, can you sort of expand on that, that that came out of that panel? Well, uh, teaching uh, is is uh, best done by example. Uh, you teach through the way you uh, lead, and then others uh, find it easy to follow because they don't feel like they're being talked down to. Mm-hmm. And uh, and also uh, uh pay, you know paying it forward, uh, you know complimenting uh as uh teaching not only as a classroom set, uh, type of uh, scenario but but teaching by the way you you do things, or again, going back to the and phrase, uh, showing them uh, a way that they might be able to do something better. That can be done e- either collectively or individually, and and uh, does not have to be uh, an organized uh, classroom type uh, teaching session. Right, right. Uh, I, one of the things that came out was that. In terms of teaching, which is really communicating in order to inform, um, you know, that you need to be able to do that both to your subordinates and to your superiors. And those may be uh, done in different ways, but they're both really important because in most cases, uh, superiors don't really understand what you're doing in the call center. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, I still remember a time when I gave a, a speech to a keynote to 200 people in the insurance sector, and uh, they had all been complaining about how their higher-ups didn't understand them. So I said, well, how many of your uh, CEOs came up through the call center ranks? And there was a moment of stunned silence, and nobody put up their hands, and everybody started laughing because nobody had anybody who had uh, gone up through the call center ranks. So really, you have to uh, put yourself in the position of communicating and in- informing uh, not only your subordinates but also your superiors. And... Uh, one of the things that Angie Lucky Success, who was one of the uh, people on the uh, panel, uh, very, very accomplished uh, manager, she talked about investing in the careers of the people who report to you. And um, I've seen her do that because uh, at a uh, interactions conference earlier this year, she brought her number two with her and, uh, you know, heaped praise upon him, uh, rightly so for the way he had helped with uh, many of the successes that they had in their center um, at Landauer. So, you know, and and she's the one also who says, you know, pay it forward. When you get to a position of being a manager, uh, mentor the other people who are uh, under you and, and show your leadership that way. And so one of the things that I would suggest 
to people on this, uh, this, this broadcast is think about that as you're sitting in front of your reports and talking to them. Um, you know, how are you thinking about investing in their careers? Exactly. Uh, Keith, uh, or rather, he, Heath uh, Arnsberger uh, pointed out that we should try to be our authentic self, humanize ourselves. It's the only way to be a part of the culture since people need a way to relate to you as a superior or to us as a superior. So uh, try to be real. You know, don't, don't try to don't show up at work thinking that you got to put on a a costume, a, a persona, a, a a different you than than who you really are. Right, right. Today happens to be uh, Halloween, so you can't put on a costume, <laughs> but most days you shouldn't be uh, doing that. And I thought that was a really good point, very well stated by Heath. Uh, on you know that you know you, you you even have to show your uncertainties and involve people in your struggles in terms of trying to understand how to do things the best way. As long as they understand right. that you have their back and you are looking for the best way, then uh, they'll support you. That's right, and and you don't always have to have the answers. You you don't always have to be the only one there. Uh, with the uh, with the answer or the the what uh, what what do we do uh, uh, definition, you can you can ask for advice. Uh, ask your people, what do you think we ought to do about this situation, or how would you approach this particular scenario? Things like that. You'd be surprised how much how much uh, they think about that as well. And how much they appreciate being asked. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, th- we also had a talk from uh, Mark Riddlesworth on uh, work-at-home agents, which has been a very popular uh, topic, and he had some juicy nuggets. Uh, John, do you want to talk about those? Sure, sure. He uh, he pointed out, well, first of all, um, I think one of the big nuggets was uh, he revealed to us how big it's getting how big work at home is getting. He pointed out that uh, uh, 80 or so percent of the Fortune 500 companies these days have some degree of work at home um, Mm -hmm. agents. Uh, He also also mentioned that that on Indeed, the the website Indeed, there's over 9,500 work at home jobs being offered, um, so he he made it clear that work at home is a trend of the present uh, and the future, and that we uh, that in doing so there are a lot of benefits that can be derived from it, um, such as employee uh, improved uh, employee morale and and retention, uh, uh, the ability to work. To their own schedule, the, you know, um, it, it's not the the structured uh, eight to five schedule or whatever the uh, the eight hour or nine or eight nine eight and a half or nine hour block is because uh, work at home people uh, have the uh, option to be able to 
start work at uh, a selected time, uh, back off from work or sign out for a period of time and then sign back in even to cover some off-hour times of day. So, And then, of course, there's the uh, added benefits of uh, no commuting. Uh, it uh, has a big impact on a- absenteeism and uh, uh, also is a, is a way to handle seasonal spikes and 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 people that have to work overtime at least they don't have to work overtime and then leave and go home they're already there so uh, working overtime isn't this big a burden right uh, what uh, about some of the benefits that you noted yeah no I, uh, those are great uh, you know there, there's different models one of the things that he was saying is that uh, it's not one size fits all so uh, don't figure that just because you've heard about some other way of doing it that you say, it's not going to work for me. Then think about what would work for you uh, because some people will start in a brick-and-mortar thing and then uh, allow people to push out as they prove themselves. Other people start right with remote uh, hires uh, that they train, that they acculturate, that they make sure they manage properly because uh, one of the things you mentioned is that, as with anything, execution is key here. Doing it the right way is key. Uh, but to your point about adding flexibility for workforce management, uh, it's huge. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, the ability to maybe pull in people uh, during peak times, the unexpected peak times for uh, intraday management can be something that really, really helps out and can be a lot more economically feasible uh, than, than certain other uh, alternatives. So, yeah. Yeah. We, we well, also my, talk about, go ahead. I was just going to say uh, the 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 other main point that I got out of this is the uh, expanded labor pool that uh, comes from uh, uh, going to a work at home uh, model. Uh, you can reach out to to people in different communities, uh, miles further away than they would ever be able to commute uh, if they had to come to a brick-and-mortar facility every day. Right, right. No, a lot of, a lot of great advantages, and uh, Mark did a great job of, uh, you know, sort of laying those out for us. Uh, we also talked in a couple of breakout sessions about uh, huddle boards and coaching best practices, and on the huddle board side, you know, this uh, we actually did a call talk episode earlier this year with Debbie Frazier, one of our colleagues, who unfortunately was unable to attend call center campus. So Dee Buell um, was the head of that um, uh, that that session. Both Debbie and Dee used to be colleagues together at um, uh, their former place of, of business, and so they have really good experience with how to use these uh, techniques where, you know, where people get together. They're like team meetings, but with um, things written on boards and uh, that can be tracked, that can be uh, looked at, discussed over time. It can be focused depending on what you want. There's, there's not just one way of doing huddle boards. It could be uh, focus on metrics, making sure you make your metrics. It could be focus on other goals, uh, but it is a way of bringing people together. And so I encourage you to, to listen to the Huddle Board episode if you're interested in that. And um, uh, then the coaching best practices, uh, one of the things, oh, by the way, one of the uh, 
people who were there said, you know, I had heard about huddle boards. I didn't think they were a good idea. Now that I heard Dee talk about them, I'm definitely going to institute them in my workplace. So that was really good to hear. Um, coaching best practices, um, which uh, Chris Thompson uh, led that session. Uh, one of the things that uh, hit a number of people was when he talked about how 70% of meaning, this is according to studies, of uh, meaning from a speaker come through tone of voice in a telephone interaction. Uh, in other words, in a telephone de interaction, you're deprived of being able to see somebody, and therefore there's the words and there's the tone. And it's extraordinary how much of the tone uh, brings across in terms of meaning to the person listening. So that was really cool. Yes, uh, it was. Uh, I even reflect on my own interactions with uh, with uh, contact centers, where I uh, the the difference between someone who's sort of talking in a flat tone of voice and somebody who's really uh, putting forth uh, some emo emotion that lets me know that he or she is truly uh, concerned about. My, whatever my uh, reason for call was, was and is there to do everything uh, they can to help. Uh, but it all comes through, as you say, by the tone of voice, not by uh, not by how how uh, knowledgeable I, I, a person is. So uh, I, I, I'm glad you pointed that out because I, I can very much relate to that myself. And, and that's actually an area where a lot of managers and supervisors and QA people are kind of bedeviled because um, they are finding it hard. They find it hard to critique somebody using the word "and," of course. But anyway, <laughs> critique somebody <Yes>. um, <laughs> um, it, when that person says, "Well, I did everything I was supposed to do," uh, but the you know, person who's reviewing the person, the the, uh, the coach is saying, hey, it just you know, in the case of the customer, it just won't come across as well as it could if the tone could be changed. And so, uh, but people don't. Uh, oftentimes, agents don't take that seriously. And with this kind of statistic, which comes from research, you can take that and do something serious with it. In fact, one of the people said, "I'm going to uh, get training in this area." Uh, that really, you know, breaks through that problem that I have with a chunk of my agents who just are a little bit too flat, who don't have the right communication uh, style for it. Anyway, so yep. let's see. Other, other things we talked about were uh, managing across generations, John. Uh, that's really important one, too. Are there any takeaways from that one? Uh, well, the main takeaway is... Uh, we need to learn and understand that there are differences in in the the Y2K generation, the me generation, the the uh, the old generations that I, that I remember that they haven't probably even heard of the yuppie generation. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, I, uh, it's, 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 I was just going to say, I think the thing here there is just to. Uh, put yourself in the shoes of the various people who report to you and say, how will this play with the mindset that this person has? Oftentimes, the mindset will be a product of the generation. Not always, but oftentimes will be. So that's important. 
The, the other thing we, uh, and we're, we're sort of getting to the end of our time here, we talked about optimizing technology, uh, and uh, that was an excellent panel discussion by people who've actually done it, uh, really implemented technology very well. We've seen it. And uh, their advice was study your needs really well before you buy anything. Uh, know what you already have, okay, and uh, beat up on your uh, providers if you feel like you don't understand everything because the number of people who underutilize the technology they buy is astronomical. Uh, be careful in selecting your vendor. Be strict about holding the vendor accountable. Uh, be equally strict about holding yourself accountable for mastering the technology you have. And here there is a story uh, that I told about Angie where she was presenting to the Interactions Conference, and uh, she asked how many people in the audience uh, used five of the uh, functionalities that were available from the vendor that they all had. And about half the hands went up. said, how many are you using? I think it was eight or nine, and there was only a few hands that went up. And she said, well, we're using something like 18 uh, functionalities. And everybody's jaw just dropped because nobody came anywhere close to that. Why? Because she made it her job to understand what all the functionalities were. She picked up that uh, orange, and she was squeezing all the juice out of it. And unfortunately, most managers don't, uh, either because they don't have the mindset or they don't feel they have the time. But you really need to do that in order to make sure you're getting the most out of your uh, your technology. Yeah, that so, was a great also, that was a a great example that she made. She was talking about, you know, get, get involved with your user communities, attend your user conferences, contribute to and learn from the blogs. Uh, this is a way that you also can become a super user. And super users are those users who give feedback and are accessible to the vendor and who, uh, you know, become almost indispensable to the product development and the product betterment of uh, the vendor's products. So uh, she's very proactive on that, and, uh, you know, it's a great, great lesson there. John, we're, we're at the end of our time. Is there anything else that uh, we should uh, talk about? What are the uh, other things that we should mention? Well, the only, the only other thing that I think we uh, should highlight is the session that, was, that we held on why metrics matter. Uh, mm -hmm. Because every contact center needs to know uh, where they are meeting their goals and where they need to improve. Dr. John Anton, the founder of uh, Benchmark Portal, uh, used to ask uh, every center that he visited uh, to think about how good is good enough. Uh, our session on on why metrics matter generated some aha moments with attendees, uh, with many of the attendees who, who re recognized how metrics must be viewed collectively and not individually. Um, for example, cost per agent per hour, one metric that most centers measure, is actually impacted by uh, several other key, key performance metrics, including handle time, occupancy, and utilization. And uh, another one uh, pointed out how a rush to shorten handle time in a center uh, uh, perhaps being driven by cost or by uh, call flow, can impact uh, first call resolution and customer satisfaction. So, 
I thought there were some great uh, takeaways that came out of that session. Yes, no, those were, those were great, very good. And we, we also talked about uh, queue time optimization because everyone's talking about uh, customer experience and customer experience journey mapping. Uh, but there's one piece, and anybody who is uh, listening to this and who has done customer experience journey mapping, I would ask them about this uh, because there's one piece of the customer journey that not that many people are thinking about, and that is queue time. Uh, what do we do with our customer during queue time? And the vast majority, as we know, uh, have something like your call is important to us, uh, you know, we'll get to you as soon as we can, they put on some nice music, et cetera. But in fact, there are much more creative things that can be done with queue time. And uh, that's one where, for lack of time right now, I'll just ask anybody who wants to parse out that piece of the customer journey and do something more with it, uh, get in touch with me directly because there's some very interesting things that are being done now uh, in terms of uh, informing, also uh, personalizing communication to the person on the phone so that it's not simply some kind of a, an offer thrown out there it's actually a personalized communication uh, to that person by dipping into the CRM system, uh, by dipping into other databases, so that the uh, customer will uh, feel that that part of their journey is, in fact, not just a waste of time, but something where uh, they've, uh, it's helped to create a connection and loyalty to the company. So this is cutting-edge stuff uh, in terms of, uh, you know, this queue time optimization. But, um, you know, please get in touch with me if you're interested in that. We could talk about it some more. Um, you know, we also talked about uh, what's going on at Benchmark Portal during the conference and uh, some of the things we're doing on the, uh, the, um, uh, the research side. John's going to be updating the Agent Voices report uh, during the first half of 2019, so we're really looking forward to that, John. Uh, we're doing uh, webinars with PACE. Uh, and those are going extremely well. iBenchmark, which is the automated benchmarking uh, that we have, which makes um, uh, what's an extremely useful uh, you know, thing, which is benchmarking much more easy, is something that's being rolled out with, uh, uh, with InContact and will be rolled out with others as well. And uh, also, we're getting involved in temporary management at Benchmark Portal. So that's something that we're now able to offer to our, uh, our, our clients. And, um, yeah, in terms of outreach, uh, probably, John, more outreach than we've ever done. So there's just an awful lot out there in terms of content. Uh, we love this stuff. And uh, uh, really, that all came through, I think, with uh, the re response of the audience at uh, Call Center Campus. Yes, uh, absolutely, Bruce. And uh, like you say, uh, we don't have any more time, but uh, but we also produce a number of very useful reports. Uh, our annual uh, industry reports uh, that we generate for over 45 different industries uh, provides a lot of uh, insight into how the various industry sectors are evolving. So I just uh, thought I'd mention that. 
Yes, absolutely. Okay, well, in closing, you know, uh, one of the things that we also mentioned at the Call Center Campus is that we really do impact the lives of millions of people, and uh, the contact center industry is so important in terms of communication between companies, uh, governments, and um, uh, nonprofits, and people. And uh, the attitudes, the skills, the dedication we bring to our jobs really create success for our customers, for our companies, our colleagues, and, and our own careers as well. So with that, I think we'll uh, I'll thank you very much, John, for uh, being with me on this, and uh, we'll hand things over to Alan. Thank you, Bruce. Thanks again to John Chatterley and Bruce Belfiore for your recap of Call Center Campus 2018. Be sure to join us next month for another great show or look at our huge selection of archive shows and topics at benchmarkportal.com. Then click on Call Talk, where you'll find over nine seasons of this show. From all of us here at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Alan Potter signing out. Have a great Halloween. <laughs>